It looks to me like we must be heading toward the end. Everyone indicates that we're in the midst of the chaos that precedes the last day that when Jesus Christ is coming back, leading into the tribulation just before he returns. That's the way it looks to me. Now, into this uh, situation today, in the midst of it, I bring you an old text, a strange text out of the Bible. I do not remember to have preached on it for many years. When I was a young preacher, I had a sermon on this, and I used to preach in great revival campaigns. But I remember to preach on this text in many years. If I ever did preach on it on a Sunday morning, I don't remember. In fact, I couldn't even find the outlines of the old sermon I used to preach. But I was sitting in my office this morning asking God for a message. And strange to say, every text that I can think of left my mind except this one. It may be that God wanted somebody on this campus today that came here unsaved. Somebody listening over there. Because God is certainly moving in our day. This is the text. He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall be suddenly destroyed, and that without remedy. The first verse of the 29th chapter of Proverbs. Let me read it again. These are not my words. I didn't write them. I didn't put them in this book. This is God's book. These are God Almighty's words. Put in this book under the guiding of inspiration, or by inspiration. These are God-breathed words. He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall be suddenly destroyed now thou remedy. There isn't a day in America, nowhere today, that somebody isn't in reach with a gospel program over the air somewhere. There's hardly a radio station in America. But what they have, some kind of a gospel message. And the things getting into the papers, strange stories of God and moon. Tracks are being descriptive. There's probably more personal work going on today than ever before, and most of it's an independent move. Not a great deal of it is going through the regular ecclesiastical channels. It's somewhat like it was in the Old Testament dispensation. As I've told you before, in the Old Dispensation, uh, the priesthood was in regular order, the divinely appointed order. And as long as the priesthood functioned, they didn't need his prophet especially. Everything's going all right. And whenever a prophet came in Israel, it was a sign that God had a controversy with his people. And God Almighty, when the priesthood didn't function, uh, raised up an independent movement. And God went out and caught a man plowing somewhere and said, I want you. Somebody herding sheep and said, I want you. I want you to tell the people what I have to say. As I've said many times, the, the ecclesiastical machine had its own prophets that said what the machine wanted. They hired prophets. They were employees of a machine to go out and spread their propaganda. And they were the prophets of the man. But God had his prophets, like Jeremiah and Isaiah and the prophets of the Old Testament. Now, the prophet commanded respect, and he always had a hearing, but always had opposition. Tremendous opposition. Because that prophet that stood up to speak for God Almighty was taking God's side on a controversy. And when a man takes God's side in a controversy, there's always trouble. The true prophetic preacher of the gospel takes God's side. You know, God has a controversy with this world. He sent his son down heaven to earth to die on the cross. He came here and men spat in the face of God's only begotten Son. They pulled out the beard of God's Son. They put a crown of thorns down on his brow. They treat him worse than you treat a dog, the Son of Almighty God. They nailed God's Son to the cross, and God has a controversy. And you can't appease God Almighty by simply lighting a cross on your church. And you can't appease God Almighty by going around with just a cross around your neck. And you can't appease God Almighty by just singing the old rugged cross. You've got to take God's side with the controversy. And you've got to say God's right and the world's wrong. And when you say God's right and the world's wrong, men resent it. 
You think because you condemn the world, you may condemn the ecclesiasticism. Now, many people, anybody that knows the facts of the case today, know. If you keep up with the condition, you can't tell most church members from the world. You wanted to kill church members in this town, you wouldn't go to Pranine on Wednesday night and kill them. You'd go to the theater on Wednesday night and stand with your shotgun there and shoot them as they come out. You can kill more church members at a picture show in America any night in the week than you kill on Sunday night at church. Now, that's a bad sign. Now, the man comes around and takes God's side of the controversy, he goes into opposition. He has the guns bound upon hell's battlements and turned upon him. But God's with that man. That man's irresistible. You know, a man that goes out with God's pushback of him, nothing can stop him. He can go through doors because God will open them. He can climb mountains that other people can't climb. If God be for you, who can be against you? And with all the dominant power of ecclesiasticism today in America, the little independent fellows getting the gospel, raised up, slandered, maligned, persecuted, spreading the gospel. Some of them are crudely. Some of them men uh, without education, without culture. Some of them have a lot of rubbish in the ministry. Uh, some of them have that peculiar way of going at it that's offensive to even refined taste sometimes. But you know, I imagine some of those Old Testament prophets were like that. I imagine if old Jeremiah or Isaiah or some of them came around, if the sensibilities of the outstanding ecclesiastical leaders would have been shocked, I wonder if some of those society women that attended the tea parties lift up with their, their little hands covered with rings, held little cups, I wouldn't say, I don't like him, he's not my style, but he was God's man. I want to say this to you today, and I'm making, putting no cream on crudeness and roughness. Don't you ever get so highbrow that you'll turn away in loathing disgust from a voice that speaks on God's side of a controversy. I'm for that voice. Now, it may be not the kind of voice I'd like to hear a man use. It may not be my way of doing it. Anymore, my way may not be his way of doing it. But God's moving today. And God Almighty is breaking through the darkness, getting gospel to the people. It's so in China. It's so in Japan. Listen, all the tragedy of war in Japan has opened up the doors of Japan for the gospel. As I told you when I returned from Japan, I never saw such a wide open door. I've never known a land under the stars of heaven where a man can preach the gospel like he preached in Japan. And I never knew ears open so much to him. That's true around the world. Listen, I'll venture the assertion behind the Iron Curtain in Russia. That God has a few messages I have whispering the word of God. Whispering the word of God. While all the wicked men are whispering that conspiracy. Their voices whispering to God. And some of those Russians behind the closed door hearing the gospel. These are trying days. And you young people listen. If you're going to face the foes of this day for God Almighty, you're going to get in a controversy. For God Almighty has a controversy with this world. This world didn't treat his son. And after his son went back to heaven and sat down on the Father's right hand and said, I finished the job, then God sent the Holy Ghost and he's been grieved and insulted. Now, in the midst of it, God says, I'll take so much. I'll just stand so much. Say, you are wrong when you think God will put up with anything. This is a solemn text. He that be often reproved, hardeneth his neck, that is, rebels. They suddenly destroyed and there's no remedy for them. Now let me tell you something. God Almighty has demonstrated in history what he is. He's exterminated nations. 
Christ. Don't you ever get the idea that you can treat God Almighty any sort of way. You were wrong. You know, we've got, as I told you, I think Friday, an anemic religion, Mr. An anemic, uh, bloodless ministry. Pale and weak and mean. We turn God into a sickly, sentimental old woman. And Jesus Christ into a sweet, beautiful, lovely, passive. We made him a bit. The most masculine person that ever put foot on earth was the Son of God. He want to know what kind of person he was. Watch him challenge the crowd. See him walk in there that day. Thunderbolt came out of heaven and settled on his crowd. Lightning flashed from his eye. Figured he was speaking, spit on his hands. Pulled up his sleeves. Said, I'm going to clean up with this. He took a whip cord. Say, you want to know how daring that was? The lowly Nazarene that had no standing with Ecclesiastes. What did you think about a man walking into a cathedral today somewhere? And remember, this is a temple. The center of worship where God was supposed to dwell. Somebody going to a cathedral. Walk in there, little lowly unknown Nazarene. Came riding in town on a dump. Walking in there. The one that all of them hated. And how they hated, as they say sometimes, with purple passion. Walked in there. Got him with them. Say, don't get the wrong idea about Jesus Christ. And don't you turn God into a weeping motherly old woman. That's what they're doing today. God Almighty is going to settle with this world. He's going to settle with empires. He's going to settle with judgment. And let me tell you something. All this talk about the spread of the gospel being the second coming of Christ. And things are so beautiful. It isn't so. This world is saturated with corruption. More immorality, degeneracy, and perversion. And crime and lying and mischief than the world is. Getting worse ever. Get in the midst of it. Like old Noah before the flood. The old servant of God that they laughed at the party. Walked out and said, There's a flood coming. Judgment's coming. They said, He's crazy. They went to the party that night and said, You know what he thinks? He thinks God's going to kill all of us. <laughs> What kind of a, uh, what do you think of people going crazy like that? This lovely, beautiful world. And, oh, no, it But one day God's wrath broke out in a storm. And God Almighty vindicated his servant. And shut him in and told his heart to float. And he's floated out on the sea. The wrath of God. God Almighty began to write judgment on every rock. And condemnation thundered from the bursting bulls. Now, God won't stand it. Don't you get the wrong idea about God. And let me tell you something. God's going to settle with this country we talk about so much. Corruption in high places. Corruption everywhere. Immorality. Drunkenness. You can't stir up a crusade in this country, really, for decency. 
I told somebody the other day, I seriously doubt if there's enough character in this country to stand the depression. Our old fathers could take Swept and tugged and gathered around their firesides at night with a family Bible and a family altar. They had red blood in it. They weren't all they ought to be, but they believe there's a God on the throne. They believe there's a hell and a heaven and a judgment. They touched that Bible and said that's a sacred book. And folks went off to school and took subjects they didn't want to take. Because you ought to take them. And build moral backboard and character. We've come to a soft, wicked, cruel day. But in the midst of it, in the midst of it, God's bending over heaven and telling servants what to say, and they're saying. Some of them can't say it nicely. The Old Testament prophets said some straight things, too. But it says to them, come repent. Come repent. Today you tune radio, somebody saying repent. And very few listen. Somebody said, give us some jazz instead of gossip. Well, uh, he that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, rebels against God, shall suddenly be destroyed. The next judgment that comes upon this earth will be sudden judgment. You'll wake up in destruction. And I think this text applies to the individual. Now, there's several ways in which God reproves individuals of sin. He's reproving people listening to me right now over the air. The people up and down this country have heard my message over the air. And sometimes inclined to tune out. Yet they hold on and listen. There are other people listening. Some of uh, Harold Smith's friends in this country. You share his voice back here when he's in the tabernacle. Wanted his message and they get his message and say what you please about him and other preachers. They'll type John the Baptist this day and age. John the Baptist wasn't so smooth as he did. You've seen old John the Baptist coming down there and compared him to one of those long dead Pharisees with their nice robes. You'd have called him very informed. Brother, he got him into the river Jordan. He preached repentance to them and blazed away for the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to die on the cross. All right. There's a word of God. There's more gospel preached today than ever has been preached. It's diluted. More people hear it than ever heard. They hear it on the air. They hear it on the radio. They hear it on street corners. They hear it everywhere. Sometimes deluded, but it's the gospel. And God said the gospel is the power of God and the salvation of one of you. gospel. Not a church ordinance. Not ecclesiasticism. Not modern machine. We are old traditional machine. It's the gospel. No church ever saved it. We've got a lot of ecclesiastical anarchy in church anarchy. There are thousands of pulpits in America today. Listen. I say hundreds of pulpits where there won't be one gospel word out of today. All sorts of things. And some of the preachers that believe the gospel will be talking about everything else except the gospel. You know, when we started this university, the proposition came up here about the university. We said, what are we going to do about it? I said, well, this is an education institution. 
But don't ever put the gospel train on the sidetrack for a laboratory train to pass. Don't sidetrack the gospel train to let a music train go by. Keep the gospel train on the main track and keep it blowing and moving. Gospel's the power of God's salvation. So much easier to say Christian education than to say gospel. Nice say Christian education. There's, there's nothing offensive about Christian education. That's nice. But there's something offensive about the cross. The old rugged cross on a hill with a mangled, bloody, naked man on it. That a few hours before the judge said, I couldn't find anything wrong with him. And I don't want his blood on my hands. And this old world has the blood of the Son of God on its wicked hands. And every time it claps its hands, the blood of Christ splatters. Talk to me about that. This, the opposition of Bob Jones University is the opposition to the blood of Jesus Christ. The gospel. The more you get on that side, the more you stir up. You talk to me about these preachers that nobody's against. Nice fellas on Sunday morning. Everybody likes them so well. Nobody angry with them. Such a nice man. <laughs> you tell me he's God's pulpiteer? No, he's a machine pulpiteer. God's pulpiteer stirs up man. And they say, I don't like that. I was telling you the other day about a man in this town told one of our preacher boys, spoke about his soul. He said, you know, I listened to Dr. Bob Sr., on the radio in the morning, I tuned in on him. And he said, I just listened to him and I got so miserable I just couldn't take it. Just quit listening. He said, a few nights ago, I was tuned in on a short wave. And I heard his voice. <laughs> I shot it all the way to Ecuador up here to him. He, he skipped it here at home and God Almighty uh, had it down to Ecuador and shot it back up here to him. He got right with God. You know, uh, beware of a preacher that makes everybody feel so comfortable. I just feel so nice when I hear so and so. It makes me feel so decent. That's what's the matter with men. They feel so decent they won't get right with God. How many times have you gone to church and you said, that preacher's preaching to me? I've had folks to come to me sometimes in revival campaigns indignant, say, you are talking to me. I said, I don't know you. It's a gospel. You know, God's awfully personal when he deals with people. You can't be impersonal and preach the gospel. What will you do with Jesus Christ? You. You, not somebody. What will you do with him? You can't pass that on. You know, that's the issue. It's a little personal, isn't it? I don't like personal preaching, you say. Well, you don't like Bible preaching. Repent or perish. Accept Christ 
go to hell. He hath the Son hath life. He hath not the Son of God hath not life. You can have an office in the church hall. You can have baptism once a week, communion every Sunday. Pay generously. But you are saved or lost. That's the gospel. People, there's something about you don't want to be bothered. You know, one of these pictures, Bob, Macbeth. I said, Bob, there's only one thing about that introduction that you're going to find. He said, I know what it is. It's that little question, what do you do with Jesus? You have his blood on your hands. Every sinner listening to me today has the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on your hands as much as this Roman soldier that drove a spike through his hands. And you better get that blood off of your hands. If you reject Jesus Christ, you're rebel against God Almighty. And God will just put up with so much. Take this Bible. All this opposition to the Bible. You know what's against the Bible? It's a good book. And people are bad people. All these modernists. Never mind how pious they talk trying to defend God Almighty. Saying God is, couldn't do what the Old Testament prophet said he could do. He couldn't do that kind of thing. That's not the Jesus of Nazareth and of Calvary. Don't you pay attention to those fellows. Don't you listen to them. Listen, they are not having to defend the reputation of God and Jesus and the Holy Ghost. God will take care of his name. You slander God when you say he won't punish sin. He's the official head of this universe. God Almighty sits on the throne of the universe and runs it. The sun comes up when he tells it to. It goes down when he says, climb over the western hills and let us have some night. When it goes down, he pulls down the shade. Tells the stars to come in. He's running it. Talk about God letting folks go to hell. <laughs> that never bothered me. The strange thing is, he didn't let us all go to hell. These folks that don't think they're sinners. Find an excuse. We had a boy on this campus one night that said, I've had religion rammed down my throat all my life. Let me tell you something, buddy. You're going to hell. You better get right with God. Don't you strut your stuff around you and stick out your chest and think you're somebody. You are playing with God Almighty. And all the cards of the universe are stacked against you. Did you ever go along the road and you'd seen a sign like this, stay off the grass? This land's posted. God does that in the Bible. God posts the grass. And posts his land. God says, this is the road, stay on this road. And yes, the road opens ahead of you. Say, that looks like a nice road. But God writes above it, thou shalt not steal. You can steal if you want to. 
God won't keep you from stealing. But if you want to steal, steal, and when you go to hell, don't blame anybody because God posted the roads you didn't have to go to hell. Go down the road. Here's another way open there. I don't like to be told what to think, you know. Go on, think as you please, but God says as you think, so you are. Wake up in hell. Be a man. Just take it. Didn't have to go. Honor thy father and mother. Shall not covet. Here's a road that people travel. Don't love God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Don't go this way. Stay on this road. All right, don't love him. Go to hell. But when you get that, take it on the chin like a man. You didn't have to go. Don't come around sobbing in hell and saying, I I couldn't help it. You could help. This, there isn't one dangerous place on this earth, but what God Almighty leaned over the battlements of heaven and lighted a red lantern and put up some little things to stop you. And if you go to hell, you've got to kick over God's red lanterns to be damned. And that's exactly what they're doing. And God Almighty flashes over every road of damnation these words. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall be suddenly destroyed, thou thou remedy. Lord has another method by which he proves men was see. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. When he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. One of the saddest sights I witnessed on Bob Jones University campus. A mother was in the dean of women's office with her daughter. She brought that girl here. I imagine she'd been given her trouble at home, the truth is known. Sometimes they slip one over on the mother's love to try to help us to protect her. We have to always watch about that. We get one that's a bad one and we get them converted. Every woman in 50 miles of that one won't send her mother baby here next year for us to fix. And if we don't fix them, the school's no good. They say that's our kind of student. We have to be careful. So this woman in that crying, I said, what's the matter? She said, our heart's just broken. My daughter, I left here and she promised to be a good girl to stay and she ran away and went home. And I, I brought her back and they said they can't keep her. I looked at her and I, I haven't got a mother's heart in my bosom, but I have a father's heart. I got a sob in my throat. I've seen some sad sights in my life. I've heard mothers and fathers as they've sobbed in the hour and I said, Oh, pray for me, my poor child. My heart's broken. But if I could pull back the curtain that hides the invisible, I'd show you the saddest picture this day your eyes ever beheld. It'd be the picture of the Holy Ghost. With his face in his hands and tears on his face, weeping with a broken heart because you've insulted him. You better watch out how you act towards God. 
And if you don't get right with God, you are rebelling against him and grieving the Holy Ghost. Know what Jesus said? He said, I'll forgive anything except one thing. I'll forgive you if you lie and steal and murder. But one thing I won't forgive you for doing. That's blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. I think I could tell you what that is. I haven't time to preach on it. But that shows you something. The most sensitive person that ever came to earth is the Holy Ghost. Now listen. Jesus came to die. He let man spit in his face and put a crown of thorns on his brow and took all that man would do for him. And then he died, was buried, and rose from the dead. Now the Holy Ghost is here not to die, but to try to get you to accept Jesus so you won't die. And he's here not speaking of himself. Watch out about always Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Watch out. The Holy Ghost always says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If your church is a Holy Ghost church, Jesus Christ is exalted. If your school's a Holy Ghost school, Jesus Christ is exalted. And he's here to woo you. You better watch your step, my friend. You better break your mother's heart. You better tear open the bosom of your wife and take out her heart and tear it to pieces with wicked fingers. You better take your little baby and dig its heart out and mash it in your hands than to grieve the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, don't let Bob Jones University ever be guilty of that offense. Then there's one other word I'll have to hurry. Holy Spirit, God reproves men in other ways. There are special providential appeals of God. Paul was going down the Damascus Road and heard a voice out of the sky and saw a light flash from heaven. You may never have seen the literal flash of a heavenly light. You may never have heard the voice out of the sky, but God in some peculiar, strange, providential ways visited you from time to time. God may have sent you to Bob Jones University campus to give you the last chance you're ever going to have on this earth to come clean with God Almighty. This may be the providential visitation of Almighty God. Wait a minute. There may be somebody listening over the air. And it may be that in some strange way I do not know. God may have whispered to me when I was praying this morning. And said, read the first verse of the 29th chapter of Proverbs and tell them over the air not to play with God Almighty. And I'm going to give them the last call today over there in that sermon, a call of warning. Now, you better watch your step, men and women. You're not dealing with humans. 
You know, it's a strange thing. I go to a whole revival in town, a Bob or some other evangelist, and how do you like the evangelists? You know, the devil wants to take the light off of Jesus and put it on the evangelist, you see. I won't let them make me this. I say I'm not this. Jesus Christ is this. And you better quit rejecting him, and you better come clean with him, and you better let him have his will. Listen, I'm talking to a Christian that's wrestling with God this morning about God's will for your life. Do you know that passage of scripture that says uh, there's a sin unto death? A sin unto death? Some of the greatest Bible scholars I've ever known, and I think they're right about it, believe that's physical death. That's God's people. I've known some of God's people that God was calling to a certain kind of service. So they rebelled against God, a sidetrack the will of God. I knew one of the most brilliant evangelists that ever lived on this continent. Brilliant. Swept through some towns like a prairie fire. And my, what a work and how many converts I just aboard. But he'd had a course in law and a fellow took him into partnership with him. He turned his back on the ministry and the vigor of his young manhood. One day he died the strangest death you ever heard of. Just... A sin unto death. I don't think God's talking about the hereafter here in this text. Everybody that's not right with God will go to hell. If you're right with God, you'll go to heaven. I think he's talking about sudden destruction in this world. He that being oft reproved, hardeneth his neck. Now wait, that's rebellion. Notice just a minute. I wish I had time to point it further, but I haven't time. Listen just a minute. Listen. In the counsels of God, he knows how much he'll take. I can't judge God. But I would imagine if I had to, that God up in heaven says, that boy had a good father and a good mother and brought up in church and had a better chance than this other fellow. He may be a little more long-suffering with this poor fellow and never had a chance. But after a while, God says, let's close the book in this case. He's had all the chance he needed. He's turned away from him. He's been off reproved. He's a rebel against God in the counsels of the infinite wisdom of God. He says he's had enough. What could this text mean except what I've said? Years ago, Sam Jones made this story famous. There was a old-time, wonderful, Christian, aristocratic, southern gentleman. Fine, lovely, cultured Christian wife. He lived in the old days of culture down south. He had one boy. The boy wouldn't go to church, wouldn't accept Christ, lived a wicked life, ran the bad crowd, came a drunkard. They used to lock him up downtown. The old man would go down and get him out of the lockup, take him home. Put him to bed. The old mother bathing with her tears. Nurse him, he got sober. Cry and pray over him. And then a few days later, he's in the lockup again. One day, the boys waiting home for a few days, and father said, I'm afraid they've got him locked up again. Mother, she said, go get our boy. We can't give him up. And as he got ready to go down to get his boy, somebody said, Now, if that is my boy, I wouldn't 
He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We are neighbors, we are friends. Don't you say that to me. His mother and I have talked it over. We're going to stand by until the end. Doesn't matter what happens, not our boy. We'll never give him up. He's not bad. He's just weak. And down in town, tied the horse in the wagon yard, hand shaking. Old man's getting rather feeble now. Started around the lockup, expecting to find the boy we'd found him so many times before. But he wasn't in the lockup. He was standing out there talking to a crowd, cursing. And then he started up to his father and looked into his father's face and spit in his face and hit the old man two or three times. He said, Why are you following me around? Get on back home, have you alone? The old man turned around and spit some blood out of his mouth. Went around and untied that horse and got in the buggy and drove slowly home. He didn't say anything to his wife. He went in a lonely grove up in front of the house and leaned his old feeble convulsed form against a tree and stood there, trembling and crying like a, his heart had break. And he stepped back and gave on earth a scream and then waited a minute and went up to the tree again and stood there and sobbed like a child with a broken heart. Then he turned back and straightened up and went to his home, got on the front porch and walked up and down with his eagle eyes turned up the road. And after a while, he saw the boy stagger up the gate, cursing as he came and fumbled at the gate and down the walk, cursing his father, following him around. And he staggered up the steps and just as he got to the top steps, the father caught him in the collar and shook him. And kicked him down the steps and said, Off these premises forever! In less than ten days, the boy died with delirium tremens on the street. The old man paid his funeral expenses but wouldn't even go to the burial. Let me tell you something. There's some insults that love won't stand. And you've insulted a holy God. You spit in the face of his son and turn your back on him and reject him and sin against him and keep his blood on your hands and won't let him have his will with your life. Now you better come clean with God. He that being oft reproved hardeneth his neck shall be suddenly destroyed without our remedy.